Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So I missed you while I was gone. It was, oh, thank you. I'm not going to lie, it was nice to be in 80 degree Bahamian weather. But I did miss you because my time is pretty structured during the week. I, I normally know that about 8.50, 8.55, I'm up greeting the preschool children Monday through Thursday. I know that I do chapel with them at 9.20 on Mondays and Tuesdays, and I know that I get to greet certain groups who are in the church regularly. And so as those days went by, I would thought to myself, oh, I'd be leading chapel now. And I kind of miss the kids. And, oh, normally I get to see these people at their Bible study, but I'm not there, and so I'm going to miss that encounter. Or especially on Sunday, it is always hard for clergy to be away from their people on the day of worship, and so that was very hard. Um, I actually found myself awake very, very early that day, and as I watched the sun come up, I was remembering you in prayer because I do long to be with you, and I know that through the gift of prayer, God connects us. I know that even though I cannot be present or I feel that there is this longing or this emptiness, that God is able to reach out in ways that I cannot possibly fathom or articulate and connect me to those with whom I am separated, some cases permanently so for now. And that that is one of the ways in which God has granted us the power of prayer, not only to cope, but in order to find joy in the midst of suffering. And so I was engaging in that, and I know that our scripture is about freedom. And while I was encountering a little freedom on my vacation, I want us to remember that we have been freed. That's hard for us as American citizens because we have been freed in ways that most of the world can't yet understand. We are free people here. And yet all over the world, there are people who are still enslaved. They are enslaved economically. Some of them are enslaved in institutionalized prejudice. Some of them are enslaved to the kind of poverty that we cannot begin to truly fathom here. And people are enslaved. And we, among all the people of the world, are free in unparalleled ways. And we revel in that, but at the same time, it can help us to kind of miss the point when Galatians says to us, we have been freed. And so we need to take a moment just to remember that we have truly been loosed from everything, not just political oversight or uh, from a monarch or any kind of slavery that we might have encountered, but instead that we have been freed from all the things that would have locked us away for all eternity. Those things that would have left us separated from God, out of the kingdom of heaven, and suffering unendingly. And instead, we don't have to worry about that. We are free. Freed to be slaves. I did just read that, free to be slaves. And so we go, well, what kind of sense does that make? 
Good thing it's not a gospel. No, it's Galatians, and it's really important for us because Galatians is a, a book and the scriptures for a community to remember that we have been freed from all of those things that would individually just overwhelm and overcome us so that together we may serve the service of love. And yet, love is not easy. There's a reason why we call it a labor of love. It's like giving birth unendingly. And so we think to ourselves, why is love this hard, one? And two, why do I have to put this much work into it? If it's so great, shouldn't it just come naturally? But even those that we love, right, it just takes one bad encounter, and you're like, I don't know if I'm feeling this love anymore. I don't know if I feel this. This is just not, you, you need to fix this. This is not good. And God knows that. God knows that love is fickle, that human love can fade, it can wane, it has to be rekindled, you have to work on it because people do and say things that are just so asinine that you just can't fathom why they even did that. And so we have to work over and over again. And God has given us exactly what we need, set us free so that we can be knitted back together. So when I told the children that these prayer shawls are metaphorically like us, the body of Christ, that we are knitted together. We are held tight. The strands are close. But what happens is that over time, they get really loose, right? Because people say things and you're like, I'm just going to give him some space right now. And then three years later, you're still sitting on the other side of the aisle and not talking. Instead, God has given us the way in which to tighten those strands, to be reconnected in two short powerful phrases. I am sorry, and I forgive you. Those two phrases are the power of reconciliation. They will knit us back together. They will help us overcome all of the ignorant things that we ever say, all the hurtful things that we do, because we as the body of Christ believe that everyone can be forgiven. Let's say that again. All of us can be forgiven. And we have to say it over and over because I cringe every time I turn on the TV and someone with power and authority says, that's unforgivable. No, it's not. I yell at the TV a lot. Good thing I don't yell back. We are Christians and we do not believe that there is anything that is unforgivable. We know this because Christ died on the cross. True. So we have to push back on that. So when someone says, that's unforgivable, or I can never forgive them, or how could anyone forgive that? Because of the cross? Because God said it was so? Because Jesus Christ said that all of the things that I've ever done that should be unforgivable have been forgiven? And I'm talking about things that are humiliating. I'm not just talking about things that I did that I knew were wrong or things for which I got in trouble with my parents or some position of authority. I'm not talking about the things that I did that, you know, loosed a little evil in my life for a little bit of time and then over time it kind of resolved itself. I'm talking about the things that are so dark and demeaning to be a disciple of Jesus Christ that I hide them. They are hidden deep within my vessel. They have eaten away at my heart. They cloud my mind. I have put them in closets and closets and closets and closets behind stacks of shoes, and I never want to see them again. 
things that I did when I was young and stupid, things that I have done when I was not young and stupid, but things that I have done because I am a fractured, frail sinner. And I am not about to let anyone tell you that you are unforgivable. I'm not about to let anybody do that because you need to remember, you need to know that you are able to be forgiven, that you can be knitted back together, and that just because you make a mistake, and it may be a horrible mistake, that we don't pull your strand out and cast you aside, that we here live out what it means to be knitted together, because God is going to thrust people and situations into our hands. And if we're all loosely connected, they're going to fall through the holes. The strands will unravel and they will hit rock bottom. We are the safety net of the world. We are those who are called to be committed, emphatically so, and given the precise words to make it that way. I am sorry. I forgive you. Those powerful words that at some point in our lives, all of us will long to hear. We long to hear from those who wronged us that they are sorry. But we also long to hear, as we who have wronged others, that we can be forgiven. And Jesus Christ says it is so. And so we push back when someone says no. We push back. And Jesus says that we were free to be slaves in service of love. And as that is absolutely true, we know that that is going to be hard work. And so what do we do? How do we prepare ourselves? Well, there are many means by which we do that in the church, communion being one, anointing being another. But the one that we do every single day is prayer. And inevitably, there's always someone who says to me, I don't know how to pray. All right, we're going to fix that right now. Not every prayer has to be mind-blowingly elegant. It does not. You don't have to start out with, Oh, omnipotent Lord, who poured out all creation. From ex nihilo, things were created. And Lord, we revel in your grace and we bask in your omnibenevolence. Try this. Thank you, God. Thank you. We raise our children, and many of us were probably raised the same way, to say please and thank you. Right? That's etiquette. Please and thank you. So if you were to say please, that would be a good time to say, and please, God, may this be so, in accordance with your will, if you so choose. Or thank you. Thank you for holding the door for me, and thank you, God, that there is someone who cared enough to hold the door for me. Thank you, God, that someone blessed me today by taking care of me when I needed it. All of these times when we would say please and thank you are perfect opportunities to pray, and it doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be because what is amazing to God is authentic, honest prayer. That's what God wants to hear. God doesn't want to hear you cite 17 titles that God has borne throughout the scriptures. God knows who God is. Pick a name. Let's go. God's always a good backup. The kids know God, Jesus, Bible. Those are always the good ones to go with. And so we start. We start praying. And why do we pray? Because prayer is not just a response. Too often, and right now there's this big discourse going on in modern Christianity about we're using prayer to shirk our duty as Christians. Instead of doing something, we're simply saying we prayed. 
or we're praying for you. That is responsive prayer that's being abused. That's not what that's supposed to be. But rather than just being responsive prayers, I would like for us to move into a mindset where we are anticipatorily praying, that we pray in anticipation for the need. And more and more, our church is kind of doing this on its own. I'm kind of late to the game here telling you about it because more and more people will send me a Facebook message or they'll send me an email or they'll call the office and they'll say, I have something coming up. Will you pray for me? Absolutely. That's why I'm here. Not that I have a closer connection than you do. That's not why I'm here. But instead that I'm here to pray for you. And if you share a prayer with me and there's something more that I can do, then that's a secondary benefit of asking your pastor to be in prayer for you. But I'm here to pray before, during, and after with you. And one great example of this is that yesterday I officiated a wedding for two people that I didn't know. That's fun. Actually, it was fun. Because what happened was they found me by this incredible thing called Google. They knew that they were going to be married in Crozet and that half the family was United Methodist. So they just put in there, Crozet, United Methodist, and guess who came up? <laughs> and it just so happened that there was a picture of me not looking radically bizarre, which is hard to do. Well done, Doug Gaskell. And it was on there and they're like, all right, let's try it. So they, they called and uh, we connected, and they said, we're going to be in town to, to look at everything. The wedding's about a year out. Can we meet with you? Absolutely. It was one of those weird days where I was wearing flats, too. So they came to meet me, and uh, they, were, they were all on board. They're like, we're in. Let's do this. And so from that date until yesterday, almost all of our connection and our contact had been via email. I was emailing the mother of the bride, who was kind of coordinating everything, and emailing the bride, and I didn't even meet the groom until the rehearsal. That's different. And so I kept going, God, this is kind of different. This is not usually how I do things. I'm kind of a face-to-face -face kind of girl. And so I was working through this and going, there has to be some way that this is going to work because I trust you. So there has to be some way this is going to work. And so what I started doing was every time I would email which was at least once a month, I would end my email by very intentionally telling whoever I was corresponding with, I am praying for you during this time of preparation. I am praying for you as the excitement builds. I am praying for you as we come closer and closer to this momentous occasion. I was letting them know that I was thinking about them and that we were being knitted together through the power of prayer. And that sure enough, when the day came and I showed up, it was like we knew each other on a level that email should not have made possible. And we're very blessed because the groom's awesome. It took me like two minutes to be like, I like you. And so I felt very comfortable doing this wedding. And I was able to perform my duties as a Christian because prayer had glossed over the bumpiness. Does that make sense? That where there were things that I'm going, that's ah, not quite the way I like to do that. The prayer smoothed over the wrinkles. And in the end, that was a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing. And it was a great family. And unfortunately, all the ones that are local are Catholic. But you know what? I still have hope. <laughs> I still have hope. So prayer is important. And we have to be reminded of that, how important prayer is. 
Now, I wasn't kidding when I said that, you know, someone just walks up to me and goes, you're a pastor, pray for my father. You're a Christian, pray for me. And that's exactly what we're called to do. We're called to love people as we love ourselves. Jesus says to us very emphatically, in that part of the Bible we don't like to read because he's being scary Jesus and we like, you know, shepherd Jesus. And that part that's really scary, Jesus says, however you forgive is the standard by which I will forgive you. So if you want to forgive everything, then I will remember that when you come before me. If you want to be a gracious, forgiving person, then prepare to be graciously forgiven. If you want to be a person that picks and chooses who you forgive, and you want to forgive some things and not others, then Jesus is happy to oblige you. So we have to set the standard. We have to love others as we love ourselves. We have to forgive others as we would like to be forgiven. And it's going to take a lot of prayer to do that. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you're praying? Oh, God, help me. God, yes, God. Oh, Lord, yes. I need patience right now. And don't make my eyes do that thing. You know you have those moments. Y'all are laughing. You can't even see me. They, they've seen it before. They know. Right? And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, Lord, help me get through this minute. Moment. Now. Did I get through that? You, you know that you have to reach out and pray. And the thing is that you're going to go through your life and there are going to be times where you know you're about to lose it or you just messed up really bad. You just got to take that minute and pray, God, I just messed this up bad, really bad, and I need you right now, and I probably need you two minutes ago, but can we work right now? Can we work right here? And just be honest. Just be authentic. Just be true. Just say what's on your mind. Because God wants to hear you. God would not have given us prayer, this completely unimpeded conduit to the highest heavens, if God didn't want you to use it. We don't build highways so you'll never get on them. It's a beautiful highway. Don't drive on it. This exit is closed. It will stay pristine, and we will never have to repave, and there will be no potholes because we won't let you drive on it. God doesn't say that. God says, get out there. Go use it. Burn it up. Run it through. I will repave daily. I will do whatever I have to do to keep connected with you so that you can stay connected to each other. We need that. You know, I'm not kidding either when I told the kids, like, come and pick one out. Bring your parents. Pick one out. Be the awesome person. How many of you have ever delivered a prayer shawl? How many of you? Yes, awesome people. Awesome people. How many of you know somebody right now, they're either sick, they're long-term ill, they're depressed, they're alone, whatever the category is, that would be edified and probably grateful to receive a prayer shawl? Raise your hand. You can be awesome people. You can be awesome people. Because it is awesome to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. It is amazing to serve in Jesus Christ. You know, I, I go on vacation, and I like to go on vacation, but I also love serving. I love serving. And sometimes it's hard. You know, you think to yourself, I'm serving, and this meeting's been going on for three hours. Gracious heart. But the truth is, it's hard. It's a labor of love. But I do it because... There is something so wonderful about serving in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's intangible. It can't be encapsulated in an annual salary. And it will never be memorialized with a plaque. But I know that one day I'm going to stand before the throne. 
And I'm probably going to say to Jesus, Jesus, I messed up more than you even have time for me to tell you. But I really enjoyed serving in your name. And I just hope that all the times that I tried to serve will at least start to show you that I'm more that than the mess-ups. And that if you look back over my social media accounts, that I'm more about doing things in your name than messing things up in mine. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of times where I really mess things up. And the only thing I can do is pray. That's all I have. And I pray, and I move for reconciliation, and I try to say I'm sorry, and every ounce of me is waiting to hear those words. I forgive you. I forgive you. And so I model that. When someone comes to me and they've messed up bad, and sometimes people mess up really bad, really, really bad. And when you, sometimes when you mess up for me, it's not just me, it's like the whole church. And so they come and they apologize, and I say, I forgive you. This can never happen again, but I forgive you. <laughs> we need to fix this, whatever this was. We need to fix it. But I forgive you. How many of us, after we forgive somebody, we pray? God, I thank you that because of the forgiveness you've given me, I can forgive this person. I thank you that I was in a position today to free somebody from their sin and their error. And thank you, God, for letting me do that. We have to start showing people what that looks like. We have to be a people who seek to be in prayer for one another. We have to be a people who are raising our children to be better than us. And just because you don't have any, or just because yours are grown, does not mean that you are exempted from that statement. We have to raise our children to be better than we are. We have to show them that we pray, that we serve, that we will slave away if that is the need in the kingdom right now. That we will do everything in our power to ensure that the kingdom is built here. Because I don't want my kid to be like me. I want my kid to be better than me. I want people to go, how is that your kid? Because you're not that awesome. I want the children of this body of Christ to be so incredible that people say to themselves, i got to bring my kid there. Have you seen their children and their teenagers? Have you seen the way they serve? Have you listened to the way that they talk to one another? They don't use words of hate. They don't tear each other down. They build each other up. Why can't my kid be like that? That's what we should be working for, that we are creating a place for our children to grow into disciples that put us all to shame. And if we're not in prayer for one another, if we're not enabling people to do that, if we're not encouraging them and equipping them. You know, these aren't up here because last week I was like, ooh, we should do prayer shawls. Everybody knit 20. That's not what happened. Ever since the last time we blessed prayer shawls, the prayer team and the, the uh, prayer shawl team who actually make these have been at work. They've been at work making them. And finally what happened was we're getting low on the blessed ones. We need to bless more. And we have all of these that are already ready to be blessed. And so we can lay them out. And we can lay hands on them. And we can bless them. And we can know that these become tangible, holdable signs that God is at work. 
And in a world where we feel so separated, where we feel alone, where we spend time behind desks and in rooms all by ourselves, why not be tangibly wrapped in prayer? And so they're here. But we had to make space for that. We had to allow for this to happen. And there are people who, thank God, are gifted to do this. You do not want a prayer shawl by me. It will neither be awesome nor pretty. It'll pretty much be a poster board covered in glitter. And that's not comfortable. Instead, God has gifted people. And thank you, God, for gifting people. Because these mean something. These are important. And if we can realize that yarn knitted together is this important, then how important are our children and our youth and our homebound and our empty nesters and our young families? How important are they? We need to be thinking about all of us to be in prayer and in service and loving everyone else as we want to be loved. That's our duty. That's our call. And you know, in this world, they have figured out how to make us completely irrelevant. You know, it's a, it's a great time you live in when someone at the table at the, at the wedding reception goes, so how do you feel about people who get ordained online? You mean after the three years of seminary I've had and the gauntlet I have run to be ordained, how do I feel? About clicking Jesus? Why do you ask? And so I said that. Why do you ask? And the woman said, well, because I have a friend who went online and did, and did the online ordination thing to do his daughter's wedding, and it didn't feel like this. It didn't sound like this. It didn't work like this did. I said, that's because th th I am a professional. This is what I do. This is what I'm called to be. And I don't go online and perform brain surgery. I don't go online and defend capital crimes in court where the death penalty is on the table. Because what we do as Christians is not a joke. It is not. It is vital. And I set the tone for a covenant of holy matrimony yesterday. I set the tone with my blessings for them to either rise and flourish and be married for 50, 60, however many years they're living to by the time these couples age. Or I just went in, whipped a little Jesus on them, and left. I think our role, you and me, and every other Christian in Crozet and well beyond is to set people up to thrive. And we do that with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and oh yes, our service. So if we aren't doing that, every single one of us, praying, being present, giving and serving, then we are online Christians. And we are called to be the people who blaze trails, who walk a very difficult path, and who labor in love because someone first loved us. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.